Buck. I am Old School, your host, and we are live here in Studio 76, except for we're not really in Studio 76. We're in uh, my home office. We've, we've got some construction going on at home, so we've had to relocate the broadcast, and because of that, we've got all new gear. So for those of you who are in chat rooms of various formats, if you could give us some updates on how the audio sounds, both on the Facebook feed as well as on the Mixler feed, we'll get things kicked off. So I know that we got people in both of those chat rooms, so once those guys weigh in, we can find out how things are going. we got Mark Cook of PewterReport.com fame in the house. He, he was able to get over here, which is fantastic. We appreciate you coming in tonight, Mark. We know it's been a long day for you. A lot of things going on at One Buck Place and otherwise. How are you doing tonight, sir? I'm doing good. Thanks for having me on. It's a little weird. <laughs> here, I feel a little claustrophobic. Yeah, a little smaller room. Although this is a pretty big, big office, not bad. Yeah, it's not bad. It's a it's a good little abode, and, and I'm trying out a bunch of new gear, so we'll we'll make all that stuff work. Let me kick some of the housekeeping off. Uh, audio great over in uh, in the uh, Mixler room, which is good. It looks like we may be okay in the Facebook room as well. I'm sure they'll tell us quickly if we're not. I want to I want to open up though. This is our first podcast of the regular season for this for this season for the Bucks. Our thirteenth for what the Buck dot uh, net and what the Buck really matters, which is fantastic. And we have some exciting announcements about our sponsors. And Mark, you, I mean, you guys do this for real for a living. So you guys have to, you know, fight and kick and scrape for sponsors. And we respect yeah. the hell out of what you guys have to do with Scott and the entire team over there. Our angle is a little bit different because this is a passion project for us. So our sponsors really allow us degrees of freedom to do the things that we've sort of evolved into primarily around our, our, our tailgate presence, live events and, and uh, things like that, like our golf event. So you guys know a bunch of these folks. They've been with us for years. We want to thank Steps Towing for already committing. Hell, they committed last year uh, to being back. So thanks to Todd and the whole team over there. Christy, we really appreciate all the things you guys do at Steps Towing. Pepin Distributing is back live again, so you're going to have Bud Light available uh, with uh, with our tailgates as well, which is fantastic. The team at Team Pepin is, is outstanding. We're very happy about them being back. Tito's Vodka, we got to keep our people drunk, you know, because otherwise the season can really get painful here in Tampa. Uh, Steakhouse Elite, they've been with us for seemingly forever. They've jumped into the NASCAR world, which is awesome. Uh, Rick says there are mic issues apparently in the Facebook feed, but I don't know what they are. Uh, Rick, I'll need you to be more detailed than mic issues for the Facebook feed, my friend, if you could. I assume they're too hot, but let me know and I will respond. I was talking about Tito's Vodka coming back as well, or Steakhouse Elite. They're back with us in a big way, which is fantastic. We love those guys. They're Kobe Crafted Beef out of Oregon. I still don't know how the hell we found each other, but now it's almost like we're married. And last but not least, America's oldest brewery is joining the game as well. Yingling has joined our ranks. And so this combination of sponsors is going to allow us some really exciting things. You'll have more information about all of those things, but it's allowing us to up our game. You've been seeing some of the trickled-out information um, about the tailgate. Uh, Rick says it's cutting out and fuzzy in Facebook, which is... Strange, because it should be fantastic uh, from a signal perspective. Someone other than Rick, please give me some feedback to see if it's on Rick's side. Let's see. Uh, is it on Mike, or is it and Now Mark's just, Mark's just fucking with him. Oh, yeah. sorry. Yeah, so Skip says the mic sounds bad. All right, guys, if the Facebook <clears throat> feed is not going well, I'm going to recommend you go over to Mixler like you always used to uh, to listen to the audio. I apologize for that, but I could only do so much to prep for this in advance of the show. More so. importantly, how do we look? Who cares how well, we look dark because the lighting is not good in here either. So oh, all in all, as a kickoff for the first show, the lack of preparation is a bit of a challenge. Kind of like the uh, Buccaneers as they prepare for the Saints? Absolutely. I'm just kidding. I'm not saying they're not prepared. I'm just saying it's going to be a lot of unanswered questions until this thing happens and, and gets through. I mean, you know, you're talking about uh, 
entirely different makeup on the offensive line for the most part. Uh, new defensive line. You know, what's Mike Smith going to do? Is he going to be more aggressive? How long is it going to take for these things to gel? You've got a different quarterback under center than the two games you saw last year against the Saints. So uh, there's a lot of unanswered questions. I'm not going to say unprepared, but there's a lot more question marks for the Buccaneers going into this game than, than there are for the Saints anyway. Yeah, clearly. I mean, there's a lot of change afoot, which is great. For you folks over on Facebook, I've reset audio to the Mevo camera audio, which means that we won't have any other audio, but that's okay. I think we'll be okay. And you'll have to deal with Mark being essentially the phantom because I couldn't get light working in here. But let me let me kick off some more of the original preamble stuff, and then we'll get right into it because Mark obviously has his fingers on the pulse of, of what's going on at One Buck Place, and we're going to want to take advantage of that while we have him here. But I miss Pulse Plus. Remember Pulse Plus on Channel 13? Uh, I do, actually. I miss actually. Pulse Plus. Um, I also missed our Ernie Lee that used to sing uh, on the morning show. Do you remember Ernie Lee in the early 80s? I do, with the guitar. Yeah. I do, I do. Yeah, Brown, uh, I, Brownie was a sidekick. Do you I, remember that? I also miss continuity of intros. Um, oh. But, but I mean, you know, that's just sort of me. You invited right? me here. I love you, you invited, here. What, Could you, you think, give me the first you, five minutes to explain think, our fucking sponsors, you though? Did, you said Jesus Christ. Good. I know you guys only have like three sponsors, so you don't get to talk about them, but Jesus Christ. Many. They pay big bucks. All right. Well, that's good to hear. And I do remember Ernie Lee because I used to watch him sitting on the couch in my trailer in Auburndale. And it was <laughs> waiting to get on school. But. Astonishing. Um, a couple of other notes. Um, the road rallies this year. So I'm going to New Orleans. A lot of us travel. For those of us uh, who do travel, great. But the, for those of you who don't, we're partnering up with the Bucks their official road rallies. The season opening watch party uh, is going to be over at, uh, where is it? Tampa Joe's at 12 o'clock. So uh, we've got all those events out on our event page. Uh, we're doing a meet and greet in New Orleans at Razoo, which uh, their club and patio right on Bourbon Street on the 5th at 6 p.m. Come on out there, you Bucks fans. It'll be a good time. Uh, we'll have a, a great time out there. Who are uh, you meeting and greeting? This is a legitimate question. Players are going to be there? No, we don't care about the players. Oh, okay. Because they don't care about us. So, I mean, we're not trying to fucking have a meet and greet with them. <laughs> so, we'll meet and greet with the fans who travel to support those players, even though they don't care about them. Derek, so Derek's in one of his moods. I no, hey, listen. I, I, I am in one of my moods, right? I've been in that mood for about four years, and then when, when things don't go the way they should, I get a little bit frustrated. But, but yeah, we're not meeting and greeting any players. Uh, there are a couple of them that I like, but generally speaking, they can all blow me. Um, they don't care about us, and so I don't care about them. I care about the team performance. I don't care what the names are on the back of the jerseys. Um, every tailgate that we do, though, you guys know, is a charitable event, and we've got that all out on the website. The first two are one voice. If you have a question, we have a schedule card out there. Uh, I think it's going to be a pretty fantastic year. I'm actually going to stop the video because it's not working well, so I recommend you all switch over to the Mixler feed. I will be recording the video here and see if we can get audio on video back up to YouTube afterwards. Yes, but I can take my shirt off. You can absolutely take your shirt off now. Oh, Jesus Christ. Okay. So um, Nobody saw that, right? Uh, n- you oh, had killed the Only 43,000 people. You killed the video, right? No, I had not killed anything. Oh, so, great. All right. So audio is good in Mixler. Everyone over there, if you're over and can, can tell people to get over to Mixler, tell them to get over to Mixler, and I'll screw with all this shit and get it working by the next show. Yeah. Introduction of the actual Bucks and beyond my hatred of the way that players treated us in the past, for this franchise, the time is now. Now, I, I don't happen to be one of those people that thinks it's a black and white thing where uh, if they open up slow or don't end up making the playoffs at Cutter and Smith and they're going to clean house, they may well do, but I think there's a bunch of extenuating circumstances. There clearly is a pressure level, though, with what's going on, Mark. Is that pressure palpable in one buck place? How are you feeling it there, and is it is it coming across from the coaches, the players, or anyone, or is it just like a normal uh, normal year? Yeah, it seems pretty pretty normal, to be honest with you. I mean, I, it's it's obviously there. I mean, Dirk Cutter's not an idiot. He knows that he's got to win and, and win pretty soon. 
Mike Smith pressure may be on him even a little bit quicker. I mean, if this team starts off poorly, um, or even if they start off mediocre, but the defense is playing poorly, um, I don't think you see a midseason change. But it's not completely out of the question with this organization. They've done it before. Um, in one year, they did it twice with the offensive coordinator and the defensive coordinator. It's true. So. You know, nothing's completely out of the question. There's a lot of expectations for this football team, not nationally. In fact, I saw somebody, uh, maybe Sporting News, with them at 1-15. in 15. Um, I will eat the Seminole hat if this team finishes 1-15. in 15. Um, That's not going to happen. But, you know, it's, it's no foregone conclusion this team makes the playoffs. We came out with our predictions today, and I, I've got this team at 7-9 and nine right now. And again, I think they're a better, more talented team than 7 wins. But... Prove it. It's it's time to prove it. Um, again, I think the organization, meaning Jason Light and his staff, has given Dirk Cutter all the ingredients to prepare a decent meal, and uh, not not you know what, not even a decent meal, a really really good meal. Yeah. And uh, it's Wednesday night, meaning I I miss Master Chef, my favorite show, because I love Gordon Ramsay. But I mean. I call it the mystery box challenge of the Buccaneers, right? I mean, they open up a box full of these amazing ingredients, but it's amazing how many of these amateur chefs or home cooks can't cook a decent meal out of it. So, you know, we'll see what Dirk Cutter is able to do, you know, with this box of ingredients because there are some fine ingredients. There's some filet mignon and some lobster Right in this mystery box. But what's weird is there was some of that last season too. I agree. I think some, I think that they've continued some. to improve the cupboards, and mm-hmm. I love this analogy. You and I both do. I forgot who started it. We should probably give credit to it. I think it was usually during discussions about who your GM and your coach is. Right? You, you can't expect the coach to cook a great meal if they don't have anything in the cupboard. So GMs put shit in your cupboard. You collaborate if your if your if your coach Newt, happens to. Newt Rockney started that. Well, by the way. it clearly was Newt. Yeah. Or Canute if yeah. if you're Canutti. a traditionalist. Canutti. Uh, Rockney. Um. But we had some of that last year, but it, it was almost like our chef couldn't put shit together. Like, we, we got him the ingredients to put together French cuisine, but he was he was an Italian chef, and he couldn't quite do or, it. Or he put together a pretty good, good darn meal, but couldn't plate it, right, in the red zone. Boom! I like the way you're extending this analogy. Do you like that? This is the kind of thing. This is the kind of value you bring to this podcast. Yes, this it is, is good stuff. And and you know they were terrible in the red zone last they were, year. But you know it wasn't it wasn't about the design. It was all about execution. Yeah, and the chef has to execute that. He has to execute it on the TV show. He's got to execute it on the football field. He's got Absolutely. to execute it. And one of the things, and this is obviously a, a in, turned into a bit of a hot topic, right? The discussion about great, great store in the mall, by the hot way. To, you know, I like uh, Forever Twenty One personally. <laughs> Um, I, I like the like I like the crop tops. I, I definitely feel my, my my prettiest when I had a crop top from Forever yeah. Twenty One on. I like the Avril Lavigne t shirts. I get it. Uh, hot topic. <laughs> nice. So before we talk about our Taylor Swift underwear that we're going to be wearing later, uh, <laughs> the the discussion about Coach Munkin continuing play calling. Uh, my perspective on this is we're never really going to know, <laughs> to be honest. But there seems to be a desire for folks to know. What is your perspective? There has clearly been a difference in strategy and approach, which is good. And I don't mean it's not a 180, right? It's 35 degrees off of where we were, taking advantage of under routes, going with some more mm-hmm. drags. We still can't execute a screen to save our ass. But but mixing things up and in the red zone, going back to sort of basics, do you see this continuing in, especially after Coach Cutter three, said in his press three, conference? Three words. Todd Munkin. <laughs> Well done you for like the that? emphasis. 
You know, I'm having a hard time concentrating right now because I'm looking over on your desk and I see the crystal from Land of the Lost, and I think some sleeves. Sleeves, dude, come you in here. with your references, I love it. Marshall, Will, and Holly are in the other room. <laughs> I don't doubt it. Oh, and Chaka is going to come in that little ape guy. <laughs> you dressed Drew up as Chaka. You know what? That's a great Halloween costume for you guys next year, dude. He's going as a Ghostbuster, and I'm going as a Stay Puft Marshall Man. Okay, well, that's pretty good too. That's that's pretty damn good. I'm not gonna lie. All right, all right. So Todd Munkin, you expect to see more of of his play calling and execution, but but honestly, and, and this is you know, I've certainly taken my shots at at who I you know, Coach Cutter for his grouchy behavior and these sorts of things. I know some people say that I'm crazy and who wants a happy coach and whatever. Um, I mean, he, he clearly knows yes, football. Like Nick Saban's a great example of a happy coach. <laughs> he 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 clearly knows uh, he knows football. Now, mm-hmm. Bobby Green in the uh, chat room says this is a college football argument. I don't really know what you mean by that, Bobby. It's a it's a football argument. Uh, the reality is we'll never know for sure who's making the calls. And in general, coach, you know, call, play calling is a, a concert effort. You don't just have an offensive coordinator who calls all the calls if you're a head coach. A head coach is going to say, hey, I'm looking for short run. I'm looking for mid to pass. I need to see play action. They're going to collaborate. Right. But it's still a topic of interest because it was such a topic of interest last year. Um, but moving into uh, this year, I want to remind folks, speaking of that, on this podcast, because I did go out and check what was going on. We've had a huge explosion of podcasts and other alternative media fringe media as we've been uh, coined in the past and that's great i love that people have found their or finding their voices and doing their things i don't for any why it, it should just make it more clear kidding the cream rises to the top right yeah. and and that's really the the moral to my story now a lot of people a lot of people like you know the cheap whipped cream though out of the can they do they do but if they like that they're going to go get it anyway Right, yeah. and and so my reminder to our listeners and to the people who who tune in to our show, and and I think this extends to you as well, Mark. I certainly would extend it to you. We do a couple things. We talk about football, we talk about tailgating at what the buck, we do charities, and we talk about fun stuff like Ernie Lee in the morning. That's we are right. not going to talk about TMZ. We don't give a shit who someone's sleeping with. We're not interested in conjecture. That's not what we do here. If that's what you're looking for, you're in the wrong place. There's plenty of other places to get that bullshit. Go find it there. Um, Do you know Ernie Lee was on the bill with Elvis Presley at Fort Hesterly Arena in like 1956? No, I did not know that. Andy Griffith was on that bill as well. He was the headliner. Anyway, go ahead. <laughs> I don't even can know. Can I rub your crystal over there? Uh, you can rub my crystal anytime you want to. I don't have it on because I didn't want to make you nervous. Oh, it lights up it, just like the TV show. It does just like the TV I'm show. I'm really, really uncomfortable now. I actually unplugged it even to make sure there was no interference uh, in this gear that's not working worth a shit. Um, Murderer's Row, the first four games. A lot of discussion focusing on the first four games. We'll cover that before we jump into the Saints and delve deep into the Saints. But what are your thoughts facing these four games? Let's cover some of the easy shit. Like, do you expect to see Winston before the bye? Um, what happens if we go over? Like, the, the topics that the fans are, are currently clamoring about, I'm sure on your incredibly popular message boards, what are your thoughts in these spaces? Well, give me give me one of the topics first. You gave me too many to think of. So, all right. Well, first. none of them have to do with Ernie Lee. So let's start with when do we see uh, James Winston reinserted as the starter? At the Bears. At the Bears. At the Bears. Really? I mean, I guess if this team is three and zero, and Ryan Fitzpatrick is, you know, has a quarterback rating of one hundred six point nine two, it's got to be at least two. Yeah, the, um, the two matters. Yeah, and then uh, you know, then okay. How many days of practice not. will he have before the Bears game? Almost four weeks. He's practicing on his own. Right, but not with the I team. Know, you're right. right. Uh, he's going to have well, it's a bye week, 
So uh, they'll come back uh, on Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. Essentially a normal week. They'll have a normal week, you right? Know, because they don't. So he comes back after Game Four and after the bye. Yeah, yeah. And I, I actually think you're you're entirely correct. I think there's a lot of discussion to get him back in there as soon as possible. I don't think this team needs to do it, and I don't know that it's dependent. Like, let's say they go zero and three. Do you shove him back in there? Absolutely. You, you do. Got, you got to find out what you got in this guy. You're you're getting ready to pay this. Are guy you really confused? Million. To, yeah, absolutely. Okay. No, I mean, there's they number one. They want to see how this guy performs off the football field, right, before they make a commitment of $100 million or more. Uh, but but certainly on the field as well because he's had a mixed bag of, of, you know, he's had the numbers, but he hasn't been to the playoffs. He's had one winning season and three. So, I mean, there's still a question mark of, of do you, you know, sign this guy to a long-term deal and or do you walk away from everybody? And and the only way to know is to see what he does over those last 13 games. And so the the game four scenario where he comes in off, you know, two game two practice days, that improves your knowledge? No, I mean, I don't again, if they wait till week 5, I I could understand that a little bit, but um, you know, they've they've got to see what this guy's going to do over the course of the year. They need to see um, you know, some consistency from Winston. And, and Clearly. They, you know, the, they're committed to the fifth-year option, which is, you know, a little over $20 million next year. Um, I, I I don't know how it works. They picked it up. Can they still walk away from it? I don't know how all those rules work. But the main thing is is they would love to be able to say that they've got or feel very comfortable they have that quarterback problem that they've essentially had for 42 seasons <laughs> under control. I mean, again, the, the, the most overstated stat, but one of the most unbelievable is the fact that they've never signed a drafted quarterback to a second term. And, it's uh, incredibly damning. Mind-boggling. And, yeah. and they really thought, you know, after his rookie year that he was the guy. Um, nine and seven the year before. You know, last year, I don't know that there was huge question marks because he honestly, as a whole, improved when you look at his completion percentage, mm-hmm. his yards per reception, uh, his number of 300-yard games. But, again, there was some inconsistency. Was that the bad shoulder? Was he trying to play on a bad wing? Um, you know, even going into the – everybody talks about his last, you know, several games. Um, that last game against the Saints that they actually won, mm-hmm. he threw three interceptions in that game. I mean, he's been a turnover machine, and there's still some question marks about that. So they've got to figure it out. And the one thing they do know is Ryan Fitzpatrick is not the long-term solution. Right. So get him in there as soon as you can. It would be my – thoughts regardless if they're 0 and 3 or you know again the 3 and 0 scenario we talked about that on our podcast today if if this team is 3 and 0 but they're winning games 10 to 9 playing old dungy type ball right defensively and, and Fitzpatrick's being a game managing Trent Dilfer then then you still throw Jameis back in there but if you know if Fitzpatrick's lighting it up I don't know how you pull him out of there if they are 3 and 0 um is your phone somewhere near mine it's mine sorry Oh, rookie. Totally my fault. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I understood your points. Uh, I think that my position into the chat room questions that are going on, uh, I don't disagree that they've got more they need to learn. I don't think there's a tremendous amount they're going to learn this season more than they already do, other than the potential of him extending what he's shown in preseason snaps, showing that consistency, showing that he has curtailed a little bit his uh, propensity to throw an interception, to take the, the hard throw instead of the, the check down, that sort of thing. The off-field stuff, I don't think they're going to learn a whole lot more about. The last off-field experience was in 2016. Yeah. Uh, I don't think that that's a big deal other than in the eyes of some fans that probably hated him anyway. Uh, but 
but I think Will and Holly. But I think that Jesus Are Christ. Now the song's <laughs> stuck in my head. Thanks a lot. Yeah, no problem. Well, at least it got you off Ernie Lee. Um, but uh, it's mostly stack impression. The one day you're just gonna throw my ass right out of here. It's it's really hard this evening to stay on track with you. Um, it's it's a challenge. I didn't take my ADHD medication that I don't have. Clearly, I think I don't think they prescribe that when you're 47. I think they're like, you know what, your life's half over, dude. We're not giving you anything. Just just milk it the rest of the 20 years you got left on this planet. All right, go ahead. That could be it. Um, I don't think it makes any fucking sense at all to put Jameis Winston in in Game Four. I don't care for 0 and three, and we begin our teeth kicked in. Why? Because he hasn't practiced with the team but two days from the regular season. Two 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 practices. One's a walkthrough, right? It, for that week. Same as they're doing this week. Practicing Wednesday, Thursday, walk through Friday. I mean, it's it's really no different. Right, but he's it is different. He's He spent three weeks not, not even near the team. Well, I, I see that again. But if they're 0-3 and they've got their teeth kicked in, he's not going to so do they risk So they risk the, the potential franchise quarterback. What are they risking? Well, An injury? They're, they're risk, no, it's not, I don't, you can't worry about injuries. I understand that. Like I, I get that. You right. can't be afraid of the injury thing. you got to go play. What what they can be risking is because he hasn't been in there with the timing, getting back, you know, with the dust kicked off of it. He doesn't have the bye week to get back in there. So you, if you're zero and three, you use game four as his preseason game. You use it as a practice. Uh, game. I just there's I no. Mean, what is Jamison Winston going to lose confidence? No. You no. don't think he can lose confidence? No. 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 Okay. No. It's not. It's no. not possible for him to lose confidence. That's not in his DNA. And and he that may be crazy. Yeah, that's crazy. It may be crazy, but I'm telling you, from a Jameis Winston perspective, this guy could miss fifteen weeks without the team and want to play on week 16 and have confidence going into that game and stink it up and still think he's going to be a pro bowl quarterback the following year. That's just, it's just Jameis. Uh, the, on, the only hat that I can wear here is my, you want to borrow the Seminole hat? No, I've got plenty of loser hats. Um, Hey, one game. Yeah. Oh, they're over. Um, at any rate, my position, if I were coach, which I'm not, so you guys may not even give a shit about it, is there's no way he walks in before uh, he has the bye week back. It doesn't matter. I don't think Fitz is going to go in th- or 0 for 3 or 0 for 4. I think I've already been clear about this. I think the Bucks are far better than people give them credit for. Even though I stand firmly with what you said earlier, Mark, and what many of our fans said, which is, okay, enough excitement, enough pounding our chest. You've got to go prove it. Right? Mm-hmm. I get that. But I traveled to New Orleans. I traveled to these cities, and I watched them play. I went back as I was looking at the season last year and looked at all of the games where we had the lead in the fourth quarter and dribbled it down our fucking legs. And even last year when we had a lot of incompetence, it, it was sort of run roughshod in many areas, especially in the red zone, as you accurately pointed out. You're talking about a team that could have probably won five more games. It, They weren't that far away. Now, that far away is still not there. I get it. It, it doesn't that count. that far away, and they've, they've added more talent. They've added more talent, team. and they've added talent where they needed to. So, but, um, but you know what? We've said that, too, when they brought in Carl Nix, and they brought in Eric Wright, and they brought in Michael Johnson, and they brought in Josh McCown, and they brought in uh, Alteron Werner, and they brought in Brandon Myers. Boy, they really added talent to this football team, and they went out. And they went, went out and played 14. like dog shit. Yeah. yeah. No, I agree. And Carl Nix, I think, gets a pass because of this sickness. But yeah. I, your other points, I think, were good. To be honest, I give Josh, a bit of a, uh, Josh McCown a bit of a pass, too, because it's tough to throw from the flat of your back as Steve Young in Tampa. Yes. But regardless, the question in the chat room, do I think that Jameis Winston is the guy? Yes, I do. I don't think it's questionable. I think he is the guy. I love what I see out of him, Mark. And and this is not, and listen, a lot of you guys bust Mark's balls about being an FSU homer, and I do agree he is an FSU homer. I do not believe that he is when he does talent evaluation. So 
Right. In so much as my opinion about Mark's opinion matters, you guys are being dumb to, to just point out the fact that he's an FSU guy, just like you're dumb to point at Chris being a UF guy or any of these other guys. Yes, they have teams that they pull for. Scott's a K-State guy. Just no one from K-State ever plays in the league anymore. It doesn't matter. <laughs> Terrence so, Newman just retired after 15 years. You, yeah, I know. <laughs> one feather in his cap. One feather one. in his cap. Not like they were DBU, like Florida State. So, listen, and, and let, let me go on that real quick, and because I do get a lot of flack from that. I got some flack from that from Rick Stroud when he's like, dude, you got to let the Durbin James thing go. You know, you got Durbin James. All right, we get it, FSU. You got to let the uh, Dalvin Cook thing go. Look, I wouldn't have cared if Durbin James played for Clemson or, or for Florida. I was the guy that wanted Vernon Hargraves. I mean, once they leave the university, I don't care. You know what I mean? It doesn't matter to me. I still think Dalvin Cook could have helped this football team. I'm not saying you take him over O.J. Howard. I would like to have seen this team potentially try and move up to get this guy. Uh, but same thing with Durbin James. I think he'd be, he – and again, hindsight's twenty twenty. Nobody expected Vita Vea to – miss the entire preseason and, and is going to miss week one. <clears throat> but, um, you know, I mean, the fact is you can't argue the fact that Duran James would have had more of an impact on this Saints game than Vita Vea is going to have because at least he's in the game, right? At least he's starting. Yeah, and, yeah. And so, you know, again, I'm not, you know, there's been plenty of other guys that I've banged the desk for from other schools, and, and there's been plenty of guys I've banged the desk for that haven't panned out. Uh, I've been wrong plenty of times, and I could be wrong. Dalvin Cook may end up, you know, never being a thousand yard rusher, and Duran James might be a bust. I'm just saying, from a from an evaluation standpoint, I think it's it's unfair to call me a homer. I, I, in fact, I would say I probably know more about those players than the average person, just because I watched them every single play of their college career. Now, should I know more about other guys? I don't. I didn't. I mean, I watched what four games Vita Vea maybe played in. You know, in, in the last couple of years, so I didn't see him as much as I saw a guy like Derwin James. But I'm looking at it from, you know, how, again, in my mind, they drafted a guy to be a rotational guy. And Scott argues he's a three technique. I argue he's nothing more than a, a hopefully a really, really good nose tackle. But I don't know that I draft a nose tackle in the top 15. You know, I mean, how many of those guys are in the Hall of Fame? Um, you know, but again, I, I don't care if I'm wrong. It's fine. I, I'm still going to have a job. I'm still got a great family. I, I still got yeah, no a 2012 Malibu. I mean, nothing's no going to change. No one's attacking you. No one's attacking you personally, Mark. That's no, not, no, that's no. A, people do. Absolutely. And that's okay. No one know? rational is attacking you personally, Mark. There's a lot of irrational attack. I no, mean, that's true. Okay. you should also stop responding to people fewer than 50 followers. I mean, all the normal shit. Twitter is just a cesspool of stupid, right? Yeah. Um, but... Except my account. To your point about uh, Derwin specifically, let's not go back to Cook because, I mean, you can certainly replay that. Injuries you can't predict, right. just like with Vita Vea, you can't predict. Sure. I also disagree that he's a three technique. I don't think he is. I don't think he even evolves into a three technique. Mm -hmm. Does he become the kind of, of you know zero nose in this kind of a scheme who can be so impactful that he allows whatever three technique we have to evolve and, sure. and to do the things he needs? Possibly. Yeah. We don't know. We won't know who was right or wrong until two, three seasons sure. down the road, right? I love Derwin. I, I know Derwin. Uh, tremendous player. I actually came from the other side of the equation during the draft and thought, God dang it, this is a guy who could be an every-down player, an every-down player in a position of need. I see what these guys are saying, and, and no, he's not a cornerback, so shut up, and no, he can't play linebacker, so shut up. But uh, it, it's an interesting argument. Um, All I'm saying is the people who bitch about you know, me complaining about Duran James not being selected. You can't say a damn thing about Chris Conti this year. You just got to be quiet. If you wanted Vea 
and you're going to bitch about Conti, that doesn't work that way. I personally don't think Chris Conti's nearly as bad as the reputation that he's been given by the fans. Uh, nobody's confusing this guy with John Lynch. But there's obviously two football organizations that have started him for you know six of the last seven years, whatever it is, and the Buccaneers have continued to re-sign this guy. Um, you know, and again, we're talking about guys that, that have forgotten more about football than, than we'll know combined. So, you know, there's something there that they like in Chris Conti. No, again, he's not, you know, he's never going to be in Canton in the Hall of Fame. Um, but at the same time, you know, this team, I believe, could have used an upgrade. And, and I think uh, I think Derwin would have been that guy. But again, you know, you're right. Three years from now, we'll, we'll look back on this. And uh, if I'm still alive, we'll uh, we'll reconvene here. In, in the studio. I, I can assure you that three years from now, we will not do that. We'll do it at a bar somewhere. Okay. <laughs> but no, to, to the to the people in the chat room, uh, there are a couple of comments in there. Mark obviously does care because he is a professional journalist, but his point is he doesn't give a shit what you guys think about his opinions. That's different. Uh, his care is about his craft and not about what you guys think about how he executes his craft. That's a very clear difference. Not hard for most people who are literate to understand, but I will articulate it more clearly because I don't give a shit. So I will definitely do that. And I understand, Rick, the fans are grouchy. Guess what? We're grouchy, too. Guys at Pewter Report are grouchy, too, right? It's not easy to be a Bucks fan. Welcome to being a fucking Bucks fan. Try selling ads after a 5-11 and 11 campaign, you know? Try keeping the lights on. You know, fortunately, Scott has a, you know, has been doing this for a long time. And believe it or not, and we were, I'm not going to lie, we're as surprised as anybody that our web traffic is up as much as it is this year. We've had 14 straight months of growth coming off a 5-11 and 11 season without any coaching changes other than Jay Hayes. Um, you know, we're, we're working hard. We're hustling and doing those things. But, you know, damn it. I'd love to see what, what, what we do from a business perspective with a winning playoff football team. Well, and, and one of the things there, with... Let me, let me stop. There were times, and Scott tells me this, when the old Buccaneer magazine days, they didn't have to go out and sell ads. People called them. Hey, I want to buy the back page. Oh, great. That's $7,500 or whatever it was. Sure. You know what I mean? And, and you had to pick who you were going to put on the back page, right? right? Uh, you know, I would love to see those days happen again, to be honest with you, because that would allow us to do more football stuff. <clears throat> so we'll move on past this because obviously the fans are grouchy. Obviously we're grouchy and that's not what we want to talk about. We're going to talk about the New Orleans Saints coming up and, and some I football. I very much do care how this organization does. I really do. But, but Derek's right. I don't, I mean, I don't care what somebody thinks about my talent evaluation or if they think I'm a homer. Um, because again, I've stumped for two guys, right? Dalvin cook and, and Derwin James. I mean, I didn't stump for Eddie Goldman. I didn't stump for, uh, you know, uh, uh, whoever it may be. I, I can't even think of any FSU players right Benjamin. now, but I mean, I, I don't, you know, it, it's, it's, those were two guys because I thought they were the best, fit for the Buccaneers at the time, regardless of the school they went to. And again, go back to three years ago when I on 620 predicted the Buccaneers take Vernon Hargraves that morning and 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 the only one on Pewter Report that did and, and really the only one that was pleased with the selection. Now again, he may turn out to be a bust because he hasn't performed well the first two years, but I think this year is, is a year that Vernon's really going to shine if he can stay healthy. That's the key. Well, health is always the key. It doesn't matter what school they go to. they got to stay healthy. they got to get on the field. And that's when the hurts of the Vita Vea. I know Bobby in the chat room says if, if people think he's rotational, they didn't watch him in college. I didn't watch him in college. I, was, you know, I lived in Seattle. I watched UW from time to time. Uh, the guy is physically impressive from a size perspective. No, I'm saying he's, he's a rotational guy this year. Right, this year. You don't year. bring in Bo Allen and Mitch on Ryan right. and, and the guys they did on the defensive line and, and, not, and keep Gerald McCoy here and pay him the money you're paying him. He's not, I mean, you know, maybe if he would have been healthy the entire camp, maybe 
maybe he does get the most reps uh, next to Gerald McCoy. I don't know, but I, I, I don't. The organization didn't bring him in here saying he has to be an impact player year one. And you know what? That's a great problem to have, right? That means that you've acquired some talent on your football It team. means you believe you have, right? Now right. the question becomes, you can collect talent, and then we'll transition into week one, I promise. Uh, and anyone who's drinking on again, you're already drunk, which is good. The, the interesting piece is it does look like this organization feels like they had enough talent to make that decision. Mm. They have to go prove it on the field because then you're okay. You go out there and you produce on the field, you get to the playoffs. Even if you, you don't make a deep run in the playoffs, you show that significant progress. Right. Then people start buying into the formula. They're, oh, yeah, that, that makes sense. Look, now we got this guy in the cupboard, which is great. Now, when you look at the Saints and you look at how this team has been built, we went out and retooled the defense on the front. We went out and, and went after talent. We went after some Eagles because they did pretty well. The Saints are a great test case for us this week. And, and we've covered this matchup for as long as I've been doing What the Buck. You covered it before that, I'm sure. This whole game comes down to, in my opinion, what that defensive line can do against two particular players, and that's Drew Brees and Alvin Kamara. Now, Kamara, I think, is a bit of a byproduct because they have to clear up the, the chaff in the front to let the linebackers free. You say Kamara, I say Kamara. <laughs> so this is a guy who accounted for like 280 yards uh, sure. on the Bucks last year and four of their seven touchdowns against the Bucks last year. He's yeah. was tremendous his rookie year. Uh, some of that goes away. Some of that shine comes off, you know, sophomore year, but who knows? He's going to have to carry the load with Ingram out. But that push from a defensive line, and it's not just the tackles. We usually talk about it uh, in tackles because of Gerald McCoy, right? It's all about getting pressure in Drew Brees' face because he's short. Right. Well, short for a quarterback, and, right? And he's not known to not, flush out and right. throw in the run. He likes to be like in the pocket. Wilson. He likes right. to climb the pocket and deliver the football. But what this defense has started to show under Buckner is some different stunts and not the shitty, uh, ineffective stunts that we've seen in the past that take 10, 10 minutes to execute. But with JPP and, and, and with the guys they've got outside, they're certainly being able to collapse that pocket. What do you see this defensive front, and you can go to the front seven if you want, Mark, doing against an offense in the New Orleans Saints, which was stout last year, and despite the fact that Drew Brees, I think, is 264 years old, looks to be stout again this year. Yeah, no, I mean... There's no doubt that the pressure has to come up the middle. Uh, you've got to make him uncomfortable in the pocket, and, and I think that's what the Buccaneers plan to do. That's why we've seen JP, JPPs playing so much on the inside and, and uh, you know, Vinnie Curry at times. I mean, I really think this team is going to do what the Seattle Seahawks did when they won a Super Bowl, what the New York Giants did when they won a Super Bowl, and that's on passing downs, obvious passing downs. Um, put their best four pass rushers on the field, regardless of what the position they're listed on the on the depth chart or on the roster is. And, and I think that's smart. And but but really, man, Gerald and JPP lined up next to each other. Um, you know, I think I think the Buccaneers can win that, and I think they're going to have to win that. I mean, I think I think that's I think that's really a big key. Uh, I would have loved to have seen Vita Vea in this game because he is going to clog up the middle and he is going to force Kamara to bounce runs outside and I think that's where your linebacker speed with with Levante and and Quan and and even a Darius Glanton or whoever ends up starting you know when Kendall gets back those kind of things you know plays to the strength of, of this defense but um but again they're gonna have to go out there and prove it I mean again it looks great on paper but I want to see it happen I mean it's gonna come down to and again I I agree with you you know putting pressure on Drew Brees because when the Buccaneers have beaten Drew Brees and they did last year a couple of years ago, they I think they held him without a touchdown pass or, or whatever it was. Yeah, and everyone um, lost their shit. You know that was uh, you know that's because they got pressure on the guy, right? They got him off his mark. 
when they lost last year, whatever it was, 30 to 10 or whatever it was up in New Orleans, you know, they didn't get pressure on the guy. He had time to sit back there. And, and he's going to, Sean Payton is going to have two things. He's going to have a, a very good quarterback and he's going to have speedy receivers. And even the old man, Ted Ginn, can still. Dude, and somehow blaze. they taught his ass how to catch. Yes. Like Ted Ginn was, Ginn was always fast, right. but he was fast to get to the point where he's going to drop the ball. Right. But now, like, did they put stick? Was it Lester Hayes? Did yes. he did he come out of retirement and yes. throw some stickum on him? Yeah, no, they, he put some sleeze stack gloves on. Sleeze stack gloves on suctions on him. So w- now that we're talking about the actual receivers and Drew Brees throwing to him, the question comes out in the chat room, and it's something we have to talk about: the coverage that the Bucks ran last year, which we could loosely call as mm, cover zero shitty. Mm-hmm. Um, it wasn't really. Exactly. It was really cover two shitty. Um, but we have seen them. Seemingly willing to let their corners step up, get into some press. If you stay back on Drew Brees, he's just going to eat you up under, underneath until you have to move up, and then he's going to bait you in. Have you seen anything out of this preseason or out of practice that you have seen? Obviously, you don't see a lot of that. That lets you believe that our secondary is much improved. I think it is much improved. I do. I mean, I think Vernon Hargraves, um, you know, and again, on the field, I think Vernon was fine when he played. I mean, he got hurt you know, early on in the, in the preseason and miss some time, but just watching him since then. And even out at practice, he just seems like a guy that carries so much more confidence. And, and Derek, you've coached football. You've coached Derwin James, right? I mean, confidence is so key in, in a cornerback, right? And, um, you know, they've got to, and I tell my son all the time, you got to believe you're the baddest dude on the football field every play right after someone scores on you still have to believe it. right you got to believe that believe it or not Deion sanders he gave up touchdown he got beat he got beat believe it or not he'll never admit no if you asked him right now hey were you ever beaten no yeah no i tripped or my shoelaces were broken off or something there's some (laughs) it was a bad (laughs) non-call but i like that and i think you've got that in some of these cornerbacks mj stewart and carlton davis shows that and i think vernon hargraves has some of that the key to me with Vernon is when he does get burned, is he going to continue with that confidence? Because I think we've seen in the past where after he does give up some plays, then he kind of goes in the shell in a tank, starts playing less aggressive and is afraid to let things get over his head. You just can't be that way. Um, you just can't. And, you know, one of the big keys I think that's going to help the cornerbacks, it's obviously the the pass rush. And we, we know the pass rush and the backfield go goes hand in hand, but a lot of people, I don't know that I say a lot of people. I, some people are kind of forgetting that Justin Evans is a guy that can make a difference on this football team as well. And Mike Smith said that today in the press conference. The difference between him, you know, what they expect him to do this year versus what he didn't do well last year was, you know, they expect him not to give up as many explosive plays. And it makes sense. The guy's got 16 games under his belt, right? He he. If you ask Justin Evans how much more comfortable he is this year versus last year it's it's night and day and and he'll be that much more comfortable next year in, in year three but um you know justin evans is a guy that, that can really have an impact here uh, a guy that you can trust to play safety if you go single high for instance um then then all of a sudden you're able to be more aggressive maybe but my question and i, I still want to know is and i asked mike smith this in the offseason and he didn't really answer it like my, my question is is do you do you play, I don't want to use the term vanilla defense, but listen, Monty Kiffin's defense will never be confused with anything Rex Ryan ran or his brother Rob Ryan ran or his dad Buddy Ryan ran, right? I mean, they did what they did to perfection, right? Those guys could run that Tampa 2, that cover 2 defense in their sleep. Yes, they would occasionally bring Rondé. They would occasionally bring um, 
John Lynch up on a safety blitz from time to time, but they knew that they were going to get pressure with their front four and they were going to keep things in front of them. They were going to come up and make tackles. And, and, uh, that and, point, and, that point doesn't get emphasized enough. We talked about in the preseason. Mm-hmm. I don't mean to derail you. So keep track of where you're going yeah. at because you're on a good roll. All of these defenses are predicated on when you have the opportunity, when you're the guy who's in the gap and you're the guy who's got the play, you're going to make the play. Sure. Right. And that was the one of the big differences. Yes, they ran the Tampa too well. Yes, they got great pressure. Yes, they had a freakish three technique, without a doubt. And they had one of the greatest defensive ends to ever play the game, mm-hmm. whether ever he makes it in the Hall, Hall of Fame or not. Steve White. Hey, clearly. Um, but when they had to make a tackle, they made their tackles. Yep. And that's if, if all you did was change that and change nothing else, sure. this defense climbs 10, 10 spots. Yeah, no, there's no doubt about it. And, you know, it's something that we've pointed out. This year was a more physical training camp because we really bashed. The organization for what we thought was and and even so Derek you were out there a lot for training camp it still was nothing like it was even five years ago or ten years ago and certainly nothing like it was during the Dungey years or the Gruden years so um, but it was more physical and you know the emphasis on tackling though it really can't be understated in my opinion again it, it comes down I mean football is really fairly simple the team that blocks the best and tackles the best usually wins a lot of football games um, I hope that the tackling is better this year. And maybe even more so than the tackling, what you brought up is is being in the right spot. And then when you are, make the play that you're supposed to play. Yeah. Don't You don't need to make the play for the other guy or the guy behind you or the guy beside you. You do your job, to quote my man, Greg Schiano. <laughs> and and you don't have to do the play that lands you on ESPN or whatever the equivalent right. sports channel will be after ESPN well, goes to up. If you do, you, you end up uh, with, a, with, with a fine. With a fine right. and missing games. Sure. But we, we've seen those guys come in there and just try throwing shoulders, right? They yeah. got a hit and rap. Right. Um, and, and we have not seen a lot of that. And you're right. I mean, I made the comment, and I know that the Coach Cutter came out and said it was a more physical camp, and he likes to be seen. Was it more physical than last year? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, but you know the horseplay between my two kids is more physical than yeah. last year's camp. Yeah. So how much of that is is the rule? Like they can't be more physical? And how much of it is a choice? I don't know the answer to that question. No, I mean, in camp, you can do whatever you want. Once training camp starts, you know, in the offseason, there can't be any physical contact. And there's all these rules. And obviously, once the season starts, you get 11 padded practices out of 16 weeks. That's it, 11. Um, so you, you're not going to teach tackling drills during the season once they get started, essentially. So the window's closed is what the you're telling me. The window's closed. <laughs> and, uh, but, but during that window, when it's open, yeah. you know, it's up to the coach, and the coach makes the decision. And I understand you don't want to go into a season with a, with a, with a ton of guys on, on injured reserve. Or, you know, and, and they've had a few guys um, that got banged up during training camp, but it wasn't, it wasn't that bad. I just – I think it's a risk you have to take because it's going to help you during the season. Absolutely. You know, even if you miss one or two guys, again, it goes back to this team has more depth than it's had in years. So when Mitch on Ryan is placed on injured reserve because he's got a concussion, you've got a guy that you feel can fill that role. And um, in years past, I guess I could understand it. You didn't have anybody. I mean, there were guys playing this defensive line last year that uh, probably had no business in the NFL. And, and we saw, we've seen the majority of those guys released We've seen some of these guys released go to other teams and not even last 24 hours. And, right. You know, guys that were counted on heavily. Yeah. I'll give Joe Bucks fan credit on a post that I saw on that. Um, Lee or Steve or Bill or Bob or Jim or Lou or whoever writes. One of them, the Joes. One of the Joes did point that out that, you know, Robert Ayers, a guy that was counted on heavily last year, not in football right now. Um, 
I forgot the other guy they were talking about. But, you know. Clint McDonald. Clint McDonald, another yeah. guy that doesn't have a job right now. And, and so those were two key guys that they were really counting on last mm-hmm. year. They're not even good enough to make a backup role for another team just 12 months later. Um, so, you know, and, and you know what? That's why Vita Vea is here. You know why? And I've said it well, before. and that's why Bo Allen's here, and that's why Mitch Unrein's right. here, Absolutely. and that's why Vinnie Curry's here. That's yep. they, they went after to retool Jason that Light defensive told line. Us right after the draft, Scott and I and Trevor met with Jason, and he said it came down to because he liked via, he liked Derwin James a lot. Sure, a- a- um, anyone with a, a brain did. He said it came down to I got tired last year watching my guys get manhandled and pushed around on both sides of the ball. It's the reason Ryan Jensen's here. Um, they just got tired of seeing their their offense, but particularly their defensive line, just getting manhandled. And um, and, and Jason Light understands there's going to be injuries. Uh, but he also understands you can't do a whole lot if you can't stop the run. And, you know, that's still one of the keys in, in, in defense is, you know, stopping the run, making a team one-dimensional. And then, then you have yourself a shot. Yeah. Now let's let's flip from how we try and go after. I mean, Drew Brees has the weapon. Sean Payton is a, a excellent coach. You could argue he's almost too aggressive. He's certainly been that way in the past. It's bitten him before, but generally speaking, he's going to live or die with that aggressive attitude. And you got to respect that. That's who he is. There's no mystery to it. We we all know who Drew Brees is. I've been in the I've been in their dome when their fans were calling for him to retire because the Buccaneers were were doing well against him. So. That, that's a team that understands that they're at the end of his window, but his window is still there. It's not like we're going to see a decrepit Drew Brees. He's going to go out there and sling the damn ball around to anyone who can catch it. And if they can't catch it, he's going to throw it into their face mask and wedge it in there so they don't drop it. Guys have got to tackle Alvin Kamara. we got to hope that he's not able to shoulder the load that Mark Ingram did mm-hmm. because that's a, that's a significant work increase. And they've got Gillisley, I guess, behind him. They've got Obviously, they have some depth. They don't have they the— Aaron Stecker? They do not have Aaron Stecker. Aaron Stecker retired a couple years ago. Hokey guy, John? I don't know Hokey guy, John. You don't remember Hokey guy, John? I don't know Hokey guy, John. You remember him from the 80s? No. He was the running back from Baton Rouge. I assume for the New Orleans Saints. Yes. Yeah. I see the context clues gave it to me. I remember Hokey guy. Am I the only, only one? Yes. Did, he, did he open for Ernie Scott Lee? Scott Brantley. Hokey guy, John. <laughs> now, let's switch to our offensive side of the ball versus the New Orleans Saints defense, which is surprisingly not. Uh, crappy even though they ended up ranked relatively poorly in some cases last year this is a defense that can get after it um our offense however being led by uh whatever lieutenant commander fitzpatrick according to twitter fame which is fantastic i'm glad we have one of those on our team as well that is good uh what do you see out of this bucks offense and what do you think they're going to be able to do against the saints defense on a relatively fast track in new orleans hopefully not turn the ball over um, you know, that's the quickest way to get behind to the Saints. If you go down 14 nothing, you're not going to win against the Saints very often. So I think they've got to, you know, be smart with the football. And I also think they need to, we talked about it on our podcast, Scott brought up a good point, um, keep Drew Brees off the field as much as possible. Run the football. Be effective that way. You don't want to get into a gunslinging, uh, toss the ball, all, all over field competition with Drew Brees because you're going to lose that more times than not, particularly when your quarterback is 47 years old. So, you know, they've got to they've got to be smart. They've got to play turnover-free, and they've got to play some ball-control offense. I joked about a Trent Dilfer-type manager and Dungy ball. That may be the way to beat the Saints because that's the way that they beat the Saints, you know, when they have one, sound defense and being opportunistic on offense. Again, you're not going to get in a track meet in New Orleans week one uh, with all the emotion of opening day and that loud dome – 
and and expect to win against a veteran quarterback like Drew Brees. I just and and a, and a offensive guru and Sean Payton. So I think they've just got to be methodical in what they do, but they've got to do it precise and they've got to play as mistake free as possible. Uh, there's no doubt they're going to try and slow Mike Evans down. That's what Sean Payton and, and his defensive uh, coordinator is going to do. They're going to try and neutralize Mike Evans and say, hey, Chris Godwin and Deshaun Jackson beat us. And, and, and then they're going to have to do that. They're going to have to be, um, you know, they're going to have to hook up when they do take those occasional deep shots and, um, you know, be, you know, be efficient on offense. Again, I don't see this team winning a 42-35 football game at all. I don't like those odds whatsoever. I like them potentially winning, you know, 21 to 17 or 21 to 20. You know, if you can make those Saints kick field goals, that's the way to do it. But we talked about it earlier, red zone too. Be effective when you get down there. <laughs> you know what? Yeah. I, I wish yeah. I, I'm, I'm, a, I, I'm a guy. I think when you get inside the opponent's 40-yard line, you've got to come away with points. Too many times, we've talked about this on your podcast before, talked about it on mine, I've written about it. Nothing more frustrating than on third and three, you're on the 41-yard line of the Saints, and you try and throw a 20-yard pass for a first. Just get the damn first down, because if you do, now you're at the 35-yard line. Now, all of a sudden, you're potentially in field goal range. You've got to come away with points. Anytime you cross the opponent's 50-yard line, you've got to be thinking, we've got to come away with a minimum of three points here. But, again, go back to the Saints. I don't know how this defense is going to perform. We don't know what they're going to be able to do as they try and gel. They played pretty well in the preseason. Not a lot of sacks in the preseason from these starters, but they didn't get a lot of reps either. So uh, I don't know that they're going to be out there flying it at 100% of their efficiency on the defensive side of the ball. So, you know, score touchdowns when you can, but get points, man, when you get on the other side of that 40. You can't afford the, you know, the 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 holding penalty that backs you up or the, you know, offensive pass interference from Mike Evans or, you know, uh, fingertip you know just over Deshaun Jackson's fingertips precise efficiency as, as, as my man Willie Taggart says lethal simplicity that's what I'd like to see this team do you know it's funny you're talking football porn to me as you know I'm, I'm a four yarded down guy um, and I know that's not what fans like to see but I think they like to see wins more than they like to see sexy offense uh, and I agree pinnacle in the chat room it's not about playing scared and I think that in some ways it will be great to have tape of Fitz playing the whole game against this defense because Fitz is not going to press the way Jameis would. And I'm not saying that that, that's not exciting. I'm not saying that Jameis can't pull some of that shit out, right? What I am saying is Fitz is smart. That defense is not going to confuse him because he's seen it too much. Jameis is smart, but he's still learning. He's still amassing his, his catalog, right? So when you look at the games last year, interestingly enough, the team that won the turnover battle lost the game in both cases, mm-hmm. which is really, really weird. In fact, really we outgained them 455 to like 370 yards in offense in the second game. But you also had a flukish kickoff return for a touchdown, a scoop score fumble. Yeah. You had a bunch of weird pseudo-football yeah. shit that wasn't typical plays. Right. Your point about inside the 40, you've got to guarantee yourself three. Inside the 20, you've got to guarantee yourself seven, I think is incredibly important. And yes, you got third and three, and there's going to be the people that argue, oh yeah, well, they're, they're keying on that, so you, you hit them with play action, you go big. You can't always be aggressive, and this takes me into the conversation I really want to get to, which is the offensive line. Now, obviously, we've got some issues um, with some injuries up there. Obviously, you know, we got a team with Donovan Smith, who some people make a pariah, some people make a pro bowler, but he's never been hurt before. Like, we, we never had to, well, yeah. recently haven't had to deal with him not being there, and all of a sudden, you got to be careful what you wish for. What do you see out of this offensive line? Because in my opinion, like all football, it comes down to the fat guys. If that offensive line can allow Peyton Barber to do what Peyton Barber has shown he is capable of doing, and I know people are upset about Rojo, I know people are upset about some of this other stuff, 
Peyton Barber is a very serviceable back. He's better than serviceable. And Rojo will do what he does when he can do it. He's going right. to learn. He's a rookie. But those five guys up front, whoever they are, who do you see them being, and what do you see them doing in New Orleans this week? Well, I think that I think that um, Donovan's going to play. He practiced today on a limited basis, but he was out there dressed out. If he wouldn't have been dressed out today, I would say that percentage drops down really, really low. But Donovan doesn't want to lose that start streak. He's started every game since a rookie. 45, 46, 47 games, whatever it is. You know, he doesn't want to, He doesn't want that. He's very prideful. Dirk talked about that today. George Warhop talked about it on Monday. I mean, you know, a very prideful guy, and he, he wants to play, and if at all possible, he's going to be out there. And, you know, we talked about it on the Pewter Nation podcast earlier today, which is up on pewterreport.com. After you listen to this one, go listen to that one. Is, um, you know, a 50% Donovan Smith's better than 100% um, – uh, 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 Leonard Wester, and I like Leonard. He's a great guy, but you know I'll take a fifty percent Donovan, probably over a hundred percent Wester, to be honest with you. And um, they're they're going to need they're going to need Donovan to play well, and they're going to need Dotson to play well. They need those bookends to do their job to to keep Fitzpatrick as upright as possible. Because if you do, he's he is good enough that he is going to he's going to find some openings and some holes and. You know, you talk about, you know, you're a four-yard kind of guy, um, and but fans like a sexy offense. There's no reason this offense can't be sexy this year. If they're not sexy this year, I don't know that they ever, ever will be because from a pure talent perspective and standpoint, and again, I would love to have seen a uh, more dominant featured back, but I'm not knocking Peyton Barber by any chance because I think Peyton is, is really – uh, going to be even better than he was last year, and I thought he played well when given the opportunity. I think he's going to be improved over last year. But uh, this this offense, you know, has the capability of being a top five offense in the league, and 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 it needs to start this week. And it doesn't matter if it's Jameis or Fitzpatrick; both of those guys are capable of leading an offense that that is at least top ten, if not top five, in the NFL. It's so funny you say that, Mark. And I know you do follow me on Twitter, though I tweet so much you may not read everything. I had a couple of beverages the other night. I had an opportunity to have a little early drink. And I did something I don't often do. You know that I'm not drunk. In... Tweeted, <laughs> sexting, <laughs> absolutely. Send Both... me dick pics. <laughs> you, all, you, all of those things. You, you got all of them, didn't you? Yes, every one of them. <laughs> Good. Impressed. No, but uh, but I did make some predictions for the season, which I I rarely do. In fact, I don't know if I've ever done it in 13 years. Um, and one of the ones that I called was the Bucks offense climbs into the top five this season. I think you're absolutely right. I think they have more than enough talent uh, to make that happen. Uh, I do think that the Bucks end up winning 11 this year, which is a pretty strong position. Yes. And I do think they win two of their first three, minimum. Now, do I have otherworldly powers? Nope. Pulling it right out of my ass. Well, you got that crystal stone there with the sleeve stack. I do have the sleeve stack stone. Yeah. But your point about Fitzpatrick is, is really the heart of what I was saying. If that offensive line can provide Peyton Barber the ability with a little bit of room, um, and it can keep Ryan Fitzpatrick upright to a five-second clock. Ryan Fitzpatrick will throw the ball accurately. These mm-hmm. receivers will get open. Yeah. It doesn't matter who we're playing. Right. Right? There's not a team of in their prime Daryl Revises. Right? <laughs> That's not it. Defenses will get beaten with time, and a quarterback who is who's talented will deliver the football. Yeah. So I think that this offense can do very well. And, you know, with Peyton Barber in the last game of the season with against the Saints, he got seventy seven yards in a TD. He played very, very well. I think he's gonna continue on that track, and I agree with you. I think he's better than average, and I think he can be very good for us as this team starts to discover what they're gonna do. Uh, leadership South in the chat room brought up a good point. We've got two great tight ends. Seeing two tight ends out there is something I think all of us would like to see because I think they're a mismatch against most defenses. Right. So seeing those guys out there I think would be good as good as well. Um 
But red zone is where this is going to come down to. Can the continuation of the improvement in the red zone, uh, can that trajectory continue? And can the Bucks find those four, six points that are left all over the field uh, just in red zone loss? Right. That's not even talking about the man that everyone's afraid to talk about right now. The man who's going to take the league by storm, Chandler Catanzaro. Oh, boy. Oh, yeah. Write it down. Take a picture. Cat and Zero. His wife on the team award goes to Chandler. Uh, he could be married to a rock, that rock, in fact, the Sleestack rock for all I know. Mm-hmm. All I know is right now, because his name was uttered, his leg got stiff and he wanted to start kicking things. <laughs> Everyone, write it down. This, this, this kicker is going to get the job done. And we don't need to go sign Dan Bailey. And every time a, a damn vet kicker is cut, it's like, oh, right. oh go sign him. Right. We did that. We've been there. We've done that. Well, I was uh, on good authority. Uh, Martin Gramatica has officially broken the uh, kicker curse that he put on this team uh, when he was replaced several years ago because they just haven't really had a lot of consistency at the kicking position. They've had guys that have one or two good years and and then fall off face of the earth or tear their Achilles in a charity basketball basketball game. game. You know, forfeiting $3 million in in bonus money that they had signed in the offseason or whatever it was. So, um, no, I think Canton Zaro – Nice guy, man. Great guy, by the way. I enjoy talking to him. I don't, you know, kickers are a little weird. I can say that because my son was a kicker at one point. Yeah, but he came to his senses, became a linebacker, yes, and yeah. he started starting this week. By the way, earned a start uh, back up the first two weeks. Coach went to him Monday and told him, uh, "It's on you. You earned it." So I'm really proud of the kid for that. Because, Hell yeah, that's awesome. I mean, and they finally stopped calling him kicker. <laughs> they finally learned his name. He's Cookie now, so that's good. But uh, like Chandler a lot. Hope he does well. And they they need that because, again, you can go back. We talked about the defense and how they dribbled leads down their leg. Um, there are a couple games that, that could have been won with, with more Fibble. accuracy at the kicker. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. They shouldn't have been in that position in some cases. Right. It's it's hard to find one person to blame. It's a team game. Yeah. That's some of the beauty of it, right? I mean, you can always blame Jameis. That's what I do. Absolutely. Uh, but yeah. when it comes down to the uh, to the kickers, right, they have to do their job. And, and Scott I, Brantley called them keekers. <laughs> keekers. They've got to do their job. All right, let's move on to predictive MVPs. What do you think is going to happen in New Orleans? Who's going to show out for the Bucks on offense? Who's going to show out for the Bucks on defense? Uh, boy, you always catch me off guard with this. It's the same question for single, 450 yeah, years. No, I agree. Um, I'm going to go O.J. Howard on the Ooh. offense. I'm going to go O.J. Howard. I think that there is some matchup issues and some matchups they can exploit um, You know, with O.J. Howard in this game. I think they are going to run a lot of two tight end sets, and I, I think that's a smart way to go because, again, it keeps the defense honest to a degree. When you've got two tight ends out there, you pretty much have to stay in your base, right? I mean, mm-hmm. most teams don't go in nickel when you see two tight ends out there. So, you know, it gives them opportunity for Dirk to, or, or Todd Munkin or Ryan Fitzpatrick even to, to change the play at times, depending on what the play call is, depending on what the defense does. So I think O.J. Howard is my guy offensively defensively I think it's going to be Gerald McCoy I'm 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 predicting a huge year for Gerald in fact I bet Scott Reynolds fifty dollars fifty dollars fifty dollars might have to borrow it from you you're still in hot to me man what the hell the the juice on that thing that five dollars you borrowed the juice has got up to 250 bucks now I I think still owe you for a Freeman jersey Um, (laughs) that was a bad investment give that away either by the way Um, (laughs) anyway um I bet him that uh Gerald McCoy is going to lead this team in sacks not JPP, Jerome McCoy. And now I made that decision after I saw how much inside the, the JPP was playing. And I'm not saying that JPP can't get 10 sacks uh, playing uh, in a tackle spot as opposed to the defensive end. But 
Um, Gerald McCoy is my guy. I think he's going to start the season off with a bang. I think uh, New Orleans is a place he hates, but also loves a little bit. He loves to be able to get that speed on that turf. On that turf. But we also remember tearing a bicep on that same field. So well, That's because um, he doesn't know how to tackle, remember? That's true. He, he doesn't understand the fundamentals of tackle. He just right. arm tackles. Right, right. Yeah, yeah. But you know what? Gosh, it's bullshit. We don't have to rehash it. I I didn't mean to get you riled up. It's just dumb. You got me riled up. I didn't mean to. Okay, so you're getting blocked. I want you to reach out and still try and tackle the guy. You're going to criticize the guy for trying to make a tackle? Absolutely. Ah, Absolutely. If it it allows you to talk about it for six weeks. All right, so those are my guys. Uh, It's interesting. I picked McCoy as well. I think McCoy is going to be the huge beneficiary of what's going on this year. Now, what will be interesting to see is how teams and leadership south in the chat room um, probably has some interesting insight to this. Not necessarily of the players, but of how an offensive coordinator will look at this because that's what he... He was. Um, when you know Gerald McCoy is there, it's not like you can just disregard him because JPP's out there, Vinnie Curry's out there, right. they're stunting. You still have to account for Gerald McCoy because... I think he's still the first one they circle. But we did see him get some singles. And the thing that happens, we've talked about this for years, if you're a premier pass rusher, doesn't matter if you're a tackle or an end, right. if you're single, you get through. That's You have to. you got to get home. You may not get the sack, and that's okay. Right. You create the pressure, you move the quarterback, you collapse the pocket, you flush him, whatever. Sure. Right? You've got to beat that single. And too often, guys that we counted on to be premier, air quotes, uh, pass rushers, would get single blocked, and they're just stonewalled. And, and that's something that I'm afraid of with Noah Spence. Um, he's got to show not just the ability to dip around the outside right. and show that bend that he's gotten that speed. He's shown an inside move, mm-hmm. too, which is good. He doesn't seem to know when to execute it yet, but mm-hmm. that'll come with time. But when he does get locked up, when when that offensive lineman fires his hands and gets him, Noah's got to get off the block. And that's something that I know that Coach Buckner worked on extensively in training camp was how to use compact body position and leverage to get free. First, try not to let them get their hands on you. Sure. But secondarily, if you do get locked up, how do you get unlocked while you're watching the play? It's it's karate on a football field, essentially, right? It's It's absolutely right. And... um, Okay, I knew something weird was going to happen with that crystal stone. The light is. Flashing. I got tweeted, so my light blinked blue. You guys can't see because I'm not doing the camera. Wow! All right, I almost ran out of here screaming. But uh, no, I, I mean, you you you've got to be able to come up with a counter move, and 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 that's a cerebral part of things. And some guys are better than that than than others. Um, you know, you got to be you got to be smart in in the mental part of this game. You can be the biggest. You know, you can be a beast, right? You can be a Quincy Black and look like the greatest athlete that ever walked the on, yeah. onto the turf at one Buccaneer place, or a Sabby Piscatelli. Doesn't mean you're going to be a great football player. Uh, at the same time, um, at the same time, just because you're smart doesn't mean you you've got to have the talent to go along with it, right? I mean, you and I are pretty smart. We might be really good at hand to hand combat, but uh, at our age and our our cardiovascular system, we're not going to be very effective pass rushers just because we might be able to battle hand to hand. Bottom line is, you Man, I got have both of three that. great plays in me. <laughs> three. That's I tell it. People all the time. Uh, I in my fighting career, uh, my record. If, if you know, if I was getting announced in the ring, right? And parts unknown. Out of parts unknown, standing in at five, eight and a half, one hundred and ninety-seven pounds with a record of three. Zero and 24, right? I had a lot of draws, a lot more draws. than I've never lost a fight. I ain't won many, but I've had a lot of draws. But bottom line is, is, um, you know, I've got, uh, you know, I've got about 30 seconds of a fight left in me. If you can, if you can survive 30 seconds, then we're probably going to end up in a draw. Yeah, fair enough. Fair uh, enough. But like... I'm the same way with you. I got I might have three good plays in it. Maybe. 
let's uh, let's go to keys to the game. We'll go to predictions, and then we'll talk to the chat room as well. Guys in the chat room, let us know what you think the predictions I are going to be. I to be uh, online during the chat because I know people just bash me over there. So I don't even no, know. You, actually, most people seem to like you. Really? Yeah, they, they do. They seem to like you. I mean, they give you a little bit of shit. Um, but it's it's not a big deal. Uh, so, Meet me in lot five. Yeah, <laughs> well, you've been down that road, right? Yeah. Um, keys to the game. Uh, my keys to the game, and, and these end up getting really stale towards the end of the year. Uh, the do your job line, I think, is just one that just stays on forever. And this comes down to tackling and blocking primarily. Mm-hmm. The rest of this, we have the skill players. We we got them on offense. This offense can score over twenty points a game. <laughs> it can it can it can get up there, but they've got to do the things they're supposed to do. Uh, I think that this is a, a team that has to be atypically for the Bucks aggressive. Uh, and when I see the way Coach Buckner's coaching that line about getting upfield as opposed to staying at the line and engaging, he wants upfield pressure, which is not different than Coach Marinelli. He wanted upfield pressure, tackle the runner on the way to the quarterback, mm-hmm. these sorts of things. They've got to imbue that into the offense as well. Once you start to get that confidence, you get a couple of plays, you get a couple of conversions, hell, fits. Um, Jameis and Ryan Griffin have all shown an ability to connect with a Deshaun Jackson. We've also all of a sudden discovered you can throw Deshaun Jackson on something other than a nine or a yes, post, yes. which is great. It's funny. You know, he can actually run other routes, And apparently. they're going to have to do that because Fitzpatrick's not going to go back there and chunk the ball 60 yards in the air. I mean, I think he's got 55 max in the air, right? So I think this this is a good thing, essentially, because it forces Dirk Cutter to find different ways to utilize Deshaun Jackson. Again, we talked about it, I think, on your last podcast. Sean Jackson's longest pass play last year was a six-yard catch and yeah, a 38-yard yeah. run. You know yeah. what I mean? Again, it was 40-something yards against the Patriots. It's, um, it's amazing. Get the ball in his hands. Let him make something happen. And uh, but, but, you know, your keys to the game, blocking, blocking, blocking. Uh, people who, who watched Florida State the other night, um, there's a ton of five-star athletes, four- and five-star athletes on that offense with a bunch of two-star offensive linemen. And it was proven that doesn't matter how great your skill guys are if you can't execute the basics of blocking and opening up at least a crease for a guy uh, they're not going to have a whole lot of success so the offensive line has got to come ready to play and 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 I think I think Jensen helps make this team better um, I love a Jensen Marpet Donovan Smith left side uh, I think you can really be effective and run the football and you know what happens when you start running the effectively to the left all of a sudden the guys on the left side of the defensive line, Start cheating over that way a little bit. Next thing you know, you get a cutback. You break yeah, it. You go uh, counter. Uh, yeah, you run. Yeah, you counter. run counter. Like, run a little league football counter, yeah. right? And uh, and 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 you're off to the races there. Potentially. Well, and, and this this team, like all the teams in the league, have implemented this the the jet sweep motion. Um, mm-hmm. Even when they're not running it, and it forces defense if if they're going to be good to make sure they stay home on the backside. Even even if the play doesn't run there, right? So if you do start pounding left and you and you insert that sprinkle, it can become very interesting. I agree with you on the left side of the line in the early preseason games when we saw guys that were healthy out there. I think Jensen's a huge upgrade at the center. That's not to say Marpet couldn't have evolved, but I think Jensen's just a, a stud there. And I, I think, think that, that was an awful, awful experiment by this organization last year. To be honest with you, really, I, I really I do. Don't, I, don't think I it mean, was. I thought the guy was a pretty damn good. Right well, he, guard. he was a very good guard, and and I think his his ceiling was still higher over there and I think it's really good on the left side as well I just it seemed like a waste last year to utilize him there um, and again easy to second guess him because they finished 5-11 and 11. well and I don't think they finished 5-11 because Mar- Marpet didn't play well at center um, I think no, that, but... I think there were a number of other problems and I'm not going to beat the dead horse about you know uh, shuttling in guards Evan Smith had but... a hands to the face call against the Patriots that called back a touchdown 
and Nick Foles missed the field goal after that. People forget about that. <laughs> it's not quite as bad as Judajay Barima and the hold against Oakland that cost this team it the costs playoffs. His, yeah. That uh, I'm still not over yet, but I'm still pissed about that hands to the face call against Evan Smith last year. And Chris in the chat room, I agree. I think that Holly was uh, was fantastic, and I love him. Uh, I do think that he was reaching the end of his physical rope, and that's why he's off doing what he does now. But I love his attitude. The thing I love is we got Jensen in there, who is a younger version of Holly with better physicality. I think. I think he's a better athlete. And that's not to slight Joe Holly. But Sean Jensen is not only a beast of a center. I keep saying uh, you said Sean. It's Ryan. Is it? Who is? Did it? I do the wrong name? I think Sean is his brother. I, I that's probably. Remember. There's a dean in there too. It's Ryan. I'm I'm the one that's fucking up. Sorry. The pro was right and the rookie was wrong. Or well, the, I know that Chris Fisher is somewhere losing his mind right now. No, he's over there. This, this guy was. Uh, this guy was. Oh, dude, Fisher was all over Jensen. Absolutely, absolutely, and, and it's totally Scott Ryan. He's actually crazy. talking about it right now, and yep. and for good reason. I agree. He is everything you want in an offensive lineman. He is the prototypical Philadelphia Eagle lineman of the. Early '90s, the John Runyon, yes. dirty, yep. hairy armed, will probably beat your ass outside of the stadium if you do something yes. to one of his teammates. Yes. He is everything you want. Dean's his dad. Sorry, Chris. I'm sure you got the whole team, and I apologize to Sean's his brother. Sisters, yeah, and they, they make great cousins. brisket. It's my bad. I screwed yeah. up. Sorry. Um, but no, I think that the offensive line has gotten better, and I think that they they can create aggression, mm-hmm. which is fantastic. When when that line can say, listen. Just get on our backs. Peyton, whoever, get a running back number in. I don't care who but, it is. But do it. It's but just do it. It's time to do it because yep. we've heard about how good this offensive line is when? going to be over the last few years. We've heard about it. We oh, didn't Marpet. hear about it last year. Yes, we did. Marpet's going to go to center, and they're going to be more stout up front. Like we have to run the ball. Yeah, they could never settle on a left freaking guard. Dude, listen, if the, the rotational thing just kills you me. Know, I can't talk about it. it causes uh, you me. Know, Donovan Smith is going to be My a counselor won't let me talk year. about it. I mean, there's so many things. DeMar Dotson's underrated. And yet, as a unit, they underperformed last year. Yeah, but and, but yet the guy who's continued to coach that unit is still here. And and you know what? I said that to Scott when we were. Um, and all the players love him. I mean, all do. of them they they, they love him. They, they defend do. him. Um, but damn it, at some point, that's a. I mean, we saw. I mean, you know, look, a lot of the guys didn't hate Jay Hayes, and he fell on the sword. Uh, you know, Lack George, of production gets coaches fired. Absolutely, it's the way it works. Yep. Except for Coach Warhop. Um, scores. What's your prediction this week? I know you hate doing it. Uh, I, I, th- I I think the Saints are going to win this football game, and, and I think it's going to be a fairly close game. I just don't see this Buccaneer team being quite ready to go to New Orleans and and beat a, a veteran-laden team like the Saints on opening day. I, again, I think it's Is it the opening day thing that's got you? Like that, that's that's a part of it, you know what I mean? I would I would rather have traveled to New Orleans halfway through the season when okay. they're a little banged up too. You, and more importantly, down you the know, starting running back. You I mean, you know that... what you have. Yeah, you know what you you know you know what this defense is going to be. It's going to have an identity. It does not have an. This team doesn't have an identity yet, and it's tough to just find that in week one. I hope I'm wrong. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, no, I'm not. I'm wrong, not attacking your prediction, but, man. But I mean, you know, I think um, you know, I think it's going to be a close back and forth game, and. Um, you know, a mistake or two by the Buccaneers in, in that environment is going to prove to be fatal, and they're going to come back 0-1. Uh, I don't necessarily think they're going to hate themselves. They're going to feel pretty good about themselves. But, um, but I, you know, I'm, I'm already saying the Eagles and the Steelers are games or wins. I've been predicting this as a loss since the schedule came out. Interesting. So, so you got them losing. You don't have a score. We got Bobby Green over there, my man Pinnacles. I'll say, I'll say, 31-23. You know, I'll say 28 you know, nineteen or something along those lines. I mean, 20. I think they, uh, I think they, I think they cover twenty twenty point two to five. 
Mm-hmm. That too. <laughs> nice. As long as Ryan Fitzpatrick has that 107.92. That's yes. that's the magical number. Yes. Um, I've got the Bucks winning 24-20. I do think they kind of surprise people. I'd, I'd rather catch them early in the year. I don't think the Saints are a, a strong opening team typically. And with Ingram uh, they out. They started 0-2 last year. People it, were counting them out. After absolutely. And, you know, I think that with Ingram out, that hurts them a little bit. Mm-hmm. Hey, Kamara is, is certainly a, a hell of a talent, but I think you can you can scheme that. So I'd rather face them now than when they get their legs underneath them a little yeah, bit. maybe so. Um, but, I, but I see your point. That dome, for all the places that I've gone to, and I've been to Seattle, I've been to Arrowhead, Right, I've been to these sort of quintessential loud domes. There's no place I've been louder than that dome yeah. when the Saints are playing well. Yeah. It is absolutely phenomenal uh, from a fan experience perspective. They are behind that team, and it, I can imagine how hard it would be to play. Sure. Now, in that regard, having a guy who's played a quarterback position for 224 years, pretty useful. He's not shocked by this. Right. right? It, it, guess what? It's just game one. Right, <laughs> it's it's loud in here. You okay, know, I will say he's going to turn his hearing aid down. When, when you see Ryan, I mean, the most relaxed dude on this football team is Ryan Fitzpatrick. I mean, he's just, you know, we joke about him, you know, being a guy. Oh, he's seen it all, done it all. I don't know that he's done it all, but he's had opportunities to do it all. You know, he is just a cool, cool cucumber, man. He is the exact opposite of a Jameis Winston from a personality perspective. Right, and uh, and I and I think that if you are going to sneak a win in New Orleans, he may be the better guy to do it, to be honest with you. I know all the people are saying, <gasps> no, and, you Homer, but I, I, you know, I, I saw, I, I tweeted, I don't know if I tweeted this or, or wrote this or just said it. I think after watching this preseason, this team, and I don't think either one of these scenarios is going to happen, but I think they have just as good a chance to go three and O as O and three. I don't think they're going to go three and and I don't think they're going to go and three. But it's go, not because they're outmatched. You know, I, I think and and, and 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 Ryan Fitzpatrick, again, you go back to last year at this time, you, you saw him in training camp. He was awful. I mean, you look like did somebody like take a muscle out of his arm? You know what I mean? He, and put it in Griffin's weak. arm. Right. And yeah. and it's just night and day. And I, I asked Ryan about that during the preseason. He goes, I asked about it actually after the Miami game. And because he played really well in that game, I said, just you know, even though you're a veteran, how much more comfortable are you in this offense? He goes, Man, it's it's completely different you know I'm, I'm so much more used to what we're doing I have more chemistry with these receivers so you know Ryan Fitzpatrick may be the best option for this team to go sneak a win or steal a win from from the Saints if that makes any sense no it does it, and and to say that is not a slight to Jameis it's saying that different personalities can play <clears throat> differently mm-hmm. in these kinds of games now that's something that Jameis can learn from, which is fantastic. And one thing, well, there's a bunch of things that Jameis has shown us, which is why I happen to be in the camp, and I think you are too, that he is the guy. I don't think they need any more data that says he is the guy. I understand that the court of public opinion needs more data, and that's okay. He is not afraid to learn. I thought one of the the best quotes, and I won't, I'll paraphrase because I didn't care enough to write it down, but it was good. Mike Evans saying the weirdest thing was when he parked Mm -hmm. and Jameis wasn't there. Yeah. He's such a, an institution Mm-hmm. At One Buck Place, whatever it's called now, um, that it's still called One Buck Place, I guess. <laughs> Florida Hospital, Advent Health, uh, whatever the hell. Um, that 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 was a big deal. So, and, and I wrote a story about it on Monday. Uh, you know, there was a, it was a weird. Everybody, everybody I talked to used the same word. It was weird not having Jameis in the building. Right. I mean, he was he missed time last year, three games, but he was still in the building, right, every day. And it was odd. DeMar Dotson talked about it. Alan Cross talked about it. Adam Humphreys talked about it. 
and, and Evan Smith talked about it, and Dirk Cutter talked about it. I have quotes from all those guys about just how weird, and they all use that same word. It was just a weird feeling not having Jameis around. But I'll say this for people who, who want to know, um, you know, Jameis, and you, and you saw this from being out there too, this was a different Jameis from day one, right? I mean, certainly the suspension, Dirk asking him to take more of a backseat leadership role. This is Ryan's team, you know, and so – Jameis was a different guy. Jameis was a different guy interacting with the fans. Jameis was a different guy on the field. It, you know, I didn't like it the first few days. I, in fact, I texted Jason Lyons like, I don't like this new Jameis Winston. You know what I mean? I, I don't like it. And, uh, of course, he didn't text me back. But uh, <laughs> he's very careful. Very, very, very careful not he to texted make you any back. comments about. New phone. Who this? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. I got actually got that from Donovan Smith a few weeks ago. <laughs> Literally. But I come to find out he does have a new phone. So I thought he was just blowing me off. But, uh, but no, I, literally, I can show you the text when we get off the air. Good. I'll grab that. I'll grab that number. Yeah. Um, I did not tell folks my offense, a predictive offensive MVP. And I agree. Fisher in the chat room and I, not surprisingly, are in similar veins. I think it's Peyton Barber. I think Peyton Barber is a, and take this the way it's intended, please, and you out there, because I love the guy uh, to this day. He's a better Ernest Graham. Yes. Ernest Graham was a, a incredibly serviceable back when he got his chance to play. If he hadn't gotten injured, this is a guy who over a 10-game span was playing as well as any back in the league at that time. You know who You know who made Peyton Barber better this year? Who's going to make Peyton Barber better this year? Who? The guy who's not going to play very much this year, Ronald Jones. Ronald Jones? I mean, I don't I don't have any question the in my pressure? mind. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, this iron is sharp a guy iron. Who, 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 who absolutely, I don't know that he wouldn't have continued his growth because he's a hardworking guy. But we've seen a guy who's made sacrifices, who wants to earn a living, who wants to be around in this league for a long time. And when you, I mean, it would just be, I mean, hey, here's an analogy. Scott Reynolds hires Trevor Sykema. Guess who got their ass in gear and started working a little bit harder? Scott Reynolds? Mark Cook. Oh, that's, Mark Cook did. Yeah, that's not Scott. That's not going to work that hard. But, uh, but, but I mean, it's, it's, it's natural, right? It's, your company brings in somebody that does essentially the same job and, and, and you know, a younger version of you and a much better looking one, I'm sure. Oh, he is stunning. But, but you know, that's Even gonna, without his hair, he's much better looking than you. That's going to motivate you. That's going to motivate you. And, and I think that's a great thing. You know what I mean? And, and I, I have high hopes still for Ronald Jones. I'm extremely surprised and disappointed in the way that it that his preseason went but uh but i'm not giving up on the guy by any stretch i mean he hasn't forgotten how to run the football he, he hasn't lost any speed all of those things we saw on tape are still there it's just a matter of figuring out the way to do it in the nfl and as a cautionary tale tailoring uh off of that fans out there who care enough about our opinions to listen and surprisingly there's quite a few of them um please stop over life. huh they need to get a lot oh, i like that they don't please stop overreacting to shit like rookies playing like rookies in preseason, mm-hmm. guys getting concussions. The word bust has a, a fairly clear definition. It takes time. It takes evidence. It is not Dexter something... Jackson, that was pretty quick. <laughs> Listen, after that punt return, we all thought he was back. Yeah. <laughs> what, the funny thing about Dexter Jackson, the year that we cut him, it was by far his best training camp. Yeah. Had a great training camp. But once you have triggered people sure. and in the software business they call it flipping the bozo bit once once someone's flipped the bit on you and you're an idiot it doesn't matter what you do you could go work out cold fusion chris and Conte you're still a good, moron good chris conti pick six it doesn't year. matter people, people will like st- he's a bum. let him miss a play let mm-hmm. him miss a tackle and he's a bum right. i totally agree 
people build these notions and they're human. Like we all right. do it. I'm certainly capable of doing it. I do it all the time, but we got to try and fight those urges uh, if we can. So I want to thank Mark Cook for joining us uh, on the show tonight. I want to thank you guys for putting up with our technical bullshit earlier. We'll figure out what the video problems were because I do want to have two different ways to do this uh, because it's actually convenient here with just one person to do it in this room. Um, yeah, so, I was a little disappointed last time I was here with JC. He got a lot more FaceTime than me. Really? Yeah. It's because you sat over on the side. Yeah. Yeah, the camera couldn't get to you. Oh, okay. Would, well, occasionally would, would... Yeah, I would force it. I would mainly oh, force it. Oh, that's why I was doing it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Actually, so, I'm not disappointed about that. In fact, I'm very happy the camera wasn't working. Well, tonight. I still have another camera. I have hidden cameras all over this house, especially in the mm. bathroom. No, I don't. Um, but I want to thank Mark Cook. A quick bath, if you don't mind. You guys, you guys can catch Mark Cook stuff at pewterreport.com. As always, Mark, you got uh, some stuff you want to tell the guys about what's going to happen this year. You got some exciting changes, yeah. new stuff. The yep. website looks great. Yep, we, we do. We've, we've revamped the website a little bit. Uh, for those who used to be message board contributors and were upset a few years ago when we changed things, we've got that message board almost back to where uh, it was a couple years ago. Uh, but we've added Andrew Scavelli, one of our guys that used to intern for us as a kid in high school six, seven years ago. He's graduated. He, he's joined the staff, and he's really going to be in charge of a lot of social media and some new things that we're adding to the lineup, including some fantasy football analysis. Now it's going to be heavy, heavy on the Buccaneers, obviously, but, uh, but we all know how popular fantasy football is, and we're going to be adding that to a weekly thing. He put up a, uh, He's going to do a weekly power ranking. That went up today, first one of the season. So, um, you know, we're going to do some, some, some more video stuff that he's in charge of. So we've really, we're going to really ramp up some of the things that we're doing. Um, the regular stuff, Scott's Fab Five, Trevor's Cover Three, the Monday Mailbag, all that stuff will continue. Our post-game coverage uh, will be on Channel 8 for all 16 games this year. Continue to do our TV partnership with WFLA. We're excited about that as well. Trevor will be in New Orleans. He'll be in Chicago. Oh, Trevor's going to New Orleans? Yeah. No shit. Yeah, he'll be up there. I'm going to get his ass drunk then. It won't be hard. <laughs> it won't take a whole lot of encouragement for him to do that. Well, good. Uh, but anyway, and um, anyway, and of course, we have our, our Pewter Nation podcast. There's a new episode up today. We'll have another one after the game at some point whenever Trevor gets back from New Orleans because he's the only one that knows how to run the equipment. Scott and I refuse to learn. That's good. We would have to do it. So Yeah, that's good. We're like, yeah, no, we can't. It's like my grandmother that, you know, I, I had to tape off many of the buttons on the remote because she would – you end up changing the video input, so I taped off all those where she couldn't do anything but push the numbers for the channel. So I'm that guy. I'm my grandmother. All right. 47. Uh, do you mind if I do a giveaway on your show? No. I'm, right. uh, give, what are you giving away? I'm giving away two tickets to the Strass Center to see a really cool one-man play. And you got to be an old guy like me and Derek to really know this guy. But Why right. didn't you just give them to me? Well, I'm sure I can hook you up if you'd <laughs> like to go see Rocky Blyer. Uh, Rock Vietnam vet. Played Steeler? With, yeah. Played with uh, yeah. Franco Harris. Absolutely. You know, Chuck Noll, a legend in the 70s in Pittsburgh. Um, he did something up in Pittsburgh where he was doing kind of a one-man play. They're taking it uh, across the country now, and they're going to be at the Strass Center in September. I think the 27th, 28th. It adds up on our website now. But uh, I've got two tickets. The uh, The first person to comment, Land of the Lost, uh, sends me an email at Market Pewter Report. This is Land of the Lost. I will hook you up with those two tickets for the Strass Center performance of Rocky Blyer. And it's kind of a one-man play about his career. Not as just his career, as life. I mean, this is a guy who, who went and, and was injured in Vietnam, lost part of his foot, and was able to come back. And a great book and a movie called Fighting Back with Rocky Blyer. But he's going to talk about all of those things, his career. And I know we're Buccaneer fans for the most part here. Uh, but but I appreciate NFL history. And this guy, while he's not a Hall of Famer, 
Um, you can't go to Pittsburgh and mention that name without somebody buying you a beer, right? I mean, he's 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 a legend up there, and and really in NFL lore. So, and a veteran guy. I appreciate his service to our country. So, first person that emails me Market Pewter Report, uh, Land of the Lost, will get two tickets to that. There you go. You did get you two just tickets. Email me? No, I, I I did not yet. Oh. I suspect you have access, and I I think it'd probably be a good show. Yeah. Um, and I'll be there. And you'll be there too. I mean, I'll be there. Well, that's fantastic. So you could have a date night, night with Cook, mm-hmm. um, so you could dip with him or whatever. Yeah, I'm probably gonna leave the Copenhagen in the car. I'm not sure if he said we or not, Brent, but you might have caught him with a we. You can go back and listen to the podcast. I did say we. Up. I did say we. Yes, I did. Meaning, I was encompassing the entire audience here. Okay. You know, you know, we meaning we P report focuses on the Buccaneers. You guys cheer for him. Um, sure. Whatever. Yeah. I, I the pronoun argument silly. Um, Not really. It is. No. You want to get in the whole credential thing? It really is. Where's Ren? Uh, Brent. You know, it's, it's. No, I'm kidding. Don't even start. You really, don't you start. really don't want to because I've been in that start. room long enough to see how don't many people start. are in there that shouldn't be. No, I, <laughs> and, and and I think there are some guys that aren't in there that should be, and and you're one of them. And in fact, I brought that up to a member of the staff here recently. Uh, in the last week, and I can show you that message as well. No, it's all good. It's all good. I'm glad that Ren and Brent got in there. For those of you guys who don't yes, understand, too. I am. And again, it's I, fantastic what Peter Cass has been doing. No, 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 no he didn't. He's guys. busting your balls. Good. No, no, no. It, it, and Mark doesn't see the chat room. And I know that Chris, you were going after Mark Fun uh, on FSU stuff, but Mark doesn't watch the chat room. Um, Brent hearts you, as he says in the chat room, the way a 15 year old girl would say it, which is great. Uh, and no pinnacle when he says you guys. It wasn't a racial thing. It's all good. Uh, it's, it's not. No. You're the one who's talking about this black and white earlier. I was like, really? Jeez Louise. Why is it always got to go there? Uh, by the way, anybody wants to send me any Nike shoes, I can give you my address as well. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Listen, I can't get into that. You guys all know where I stand. If you saw the video earlier, you see baby Trump flying over in the corner. So regardless or irregardless, in deference to the Reverend Jesse Jackson, we'll be back next week. Now that I know that uh, Trevor's going to be out in New Orleans, I may do a quick show with him out there if he's got time. I'm sure he's going to be busy. And next week on this Are there show, strip clubs in Bourbon on Bourbon Street, not as good as ones in Tampa. So I don't know why people go to them. Yeah, I agree. Uh, Trevor will actually be in here next week, so he's going to join yeah, me on I this heard show you next week. First, I did because you nice. never talked to me anymore. Nice. It, it hurts my feelings. I almost called and declined after I heard that. Really? Because <laughs> I said oh, I got to do Derek's podcast tonight. It's either that or go to some lame concert. And uh, and Scott goes, yeah, I would much rather do it. And Trevor goes, oh, you're doing it tonight? You're going to do it? That's good. I just didn't have time. I went. Yeah, I've never had time. him over. He was asking how long it takes. I'm like, two days, four hours. Yeah, <laughs> depends on if you're riding your Segway. It's it's a wagon train, and yeah. and you have to have the horses. And you got to feed them a couple times, right. which is important. Right. And and Bobby, the reason I'm not is because we're already a minute, an hour and twenty five into it. I'm happy to go into it. I don't really give a shit. I don't make any uh, surprises about my position on these things. I, I have say, plenty of I Nike gear. I don't really care either way because if I stopped listening, watching movies, or supporting people that disagree with me on a political thing, I would be living in a cave somewhere. Not having a lot to do. People are entitled to their opinions. And I love the fact that we live in a country where you're allowed to express those opinions in any way you want to. Yep. Because that's why, again, now we're getting into it, but that's, that's, you can't try doing that in North Korea and see what happens, how quick the bullet goes in the back of your skull. I mean, you know, it's, even if I don't agree with something, I love the fact that we live in a country where you can express your opinion. And uh, I just wish that we would do it with a little more civility these days that's the one thing that i'm most disappointed about regardless of of trump uh, not trump it's just the civility has completely been lost in this country and it's so disappointing because derek and i differ on political views on a lot of things but 
we don't take it personal. We share our thoughts. We listen to each other and we go back home and nothing's really going to change. We're still going to feel the way we feel. But, you know, I respect his opinion. He respects mine, even if we don't agree with him. I just wish I just wish that was more it was more dialogue instead of, of anger amongst uh, the people these days. It's interesting, and I know this is far afield, so those of you who don't want to talk about this, you can obviously tune, tune out or turn off the podcast if you're listening to this tomorrow. We appreciate you guys listening regardless, but I agree with civility. I think that one of the challenges we have is the world, as it continues to morph, has lost a definition of compromise that we had for as long as I've been alive, which was compromise used to mean both sides win, and now seemingly compromise has turned into both sides lose, and it's mm-hmm. something to avoid. And what's triggered or what's what's made that worse is the lack of civility and right. the lack of a desire to truly understand. If you don't listen with good faith, sure, then you cannot learn anything. Like your point about, well, we can talk to each other and nothing's going to change. I have to believe in my heart of hearts, things can change. With more data, things can change. With more perspective and experience, things can change. All you got to do is go back and watch change. Rocky Four. If I can, <laughs> if change, I can change and you can change, we then can we change. all can change. Yeah. Right, totally. Um so, oh, and poor Bobby Green's like, why not? Wasn't about this topic. <laughs> what do you say? <laughs> I made the Kaepernick comment, and he, I said, I didn't want to get into it. And he said, why not? So I thought he wanted oh, me to get into it. Oh, and he goes, nah, man, about. I was talking about something else, like oh. Chick-fil-A or something. Oops. Anyway, sorry for the diatribe, guys. Keep an eye on whatthebuck.net as well. We're doing some great things. JC Delatore, John Hinkle, the whole team out there doing some fantastic work on the site. I'm very proud uh, of the work they're doing. Hats off to you guys on the Backpack Drive. An amazing job you guys did. I, I was able to witness it firsthand. Uh, the amount of work that you guys put into that and uh, just a tremendous thing you guys do and an asset to this community and and shame on any organization who can't see the value and appreciate the hard work you guys do. Uh, your girl and you obviously too, you don't like pats on the back, uh, but you got a lot of guys that and, and gals who don't get the pats on their back and I'm not going to start trying to name them because I'll leave somebody out, but you guys know who you are. You've got a core group of people that work their ass off, led by your fearless leader, Cheryl. And uh, I just can't say enough good things about the things you guys do in this community. And, and the Tampa Bay community is better because of what the buck. Well, I, we appreciate that. I know Cheryl appreciates that. Uh, we tend to deflect uh, compliments because that's, I think, the, the way you're supposed to do it. But we have an amazing team, an amazing extended tribe that's allowed us to do that. Getting to 1,200 backpacks this year was a big deal. Obviously, we're going to continue to uh, to try and grow that. As our charity work continues, uh, we want to thank Wawa. We were given a grant from Wawa recently, which was fantastic. So by the we way, received... that's why I was almost late. I had to stop by Wawa. You were late. Um, no, it's 8.59. But uh, it was great that we got that grant, and we're going to continue to do more things throughout the season. Uh, you've also seen a couple of little teases. We've got some things coming for the tailgate, guys. Um we have been, uh, we believe, you guys' port in the storm for quite some time, and we're going to be working off that thematic. So for those of you coming to the first tailgate, be ready for something a little bit new, a little bit different. Um, but no, you're not going to have to put your keys in the hat. It'll be fine. We'll all have a good time and not end up getting divorced. So I do thank you guys. Bobby Green likes pats on the front for future reference. Mark Cook. Uh, I don't know what he's into, but it sounds a little bit funky. Leadership South. Send me a picture. Leadership South, I will see your goofy ass tomorrow as we head out to New Orleans for a great time in the Big Easy. Reminder, Razoo on Saturday. Keep an eye on Twitter. We'll be all over the Big Easy. If you want to watch the Buckstreet Boys, that's a group of us who do the Backstreet Boys and definitely got Nick and the crew watching us uh, last year. We need Nick back on the show this year. Dude, let's bring him. Anytime. I want him to come to the house and I'll cook for him. Guys in South America right now doing a solo tour. They don't have planes? That's great. Oh, Let's go to South America and do it with him. Okay. Come on. No, I'd love to have Nick. I had a great time with Nick on the show. It was fantastic. So I'd love to. Yeah. Um, I, I haven't tried to reach out because he's your friend, not mine, and I don't want to steal your friend. 
So yeah, I don't have many. So don't. I, I, I don't think I could steal them. If you, you still won, then I'm down. You're to down half. to three. Yeah, no, that's yeah. trouble. All right, we'll see you guys next week. We get this podcast up immediately after the show. Mark Cook, thank you for coming out here. You guys listening, thank you so much. Uh, go Bucks. <laughs>